you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. <clears throat> I'm Miki. And I'm Will. <laughs> and uh, D. Youngblood and J. Macron tap to help us navigate the show. Uh, Want to get into some content in just a little bit here. But before we do that, Will the Great, I think we do have some announcements that we want to make our listeners aware of, among them being... Uh, the Marriage Family Life Conference is coming up, and we would like to see you there. Yes, Marriage Family Life uh, Conference coming up July 6th through the 8th. You can get your tickets now, marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. You can go to the website and uh, get those tickets, but also see who the speakers are for this uh, year and uh, read their bios. But I think it's going to be a great time. Of course, we're going to have the Youth Apologetics track in this Conferences for the whole family. Mm-hmm. So the youth apologetics track, uh, ages four to seventeen, and so it's just going to be a great time. So marriagefamilylife.net. Also, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at addisons at afr.net, addisons at afr.net. And if you want to watch the broadcast live right now, uh, you can watch it on Facebook. Just search airing the Addisons or YouTube. Search airing the Addisons. Also, we are gathering listener stories now to play during our spring charathon. We'd like to hear from you. So if, if uh, AFR has been a blessing in your, your life and, you know, maybe you heard a program or, or something that really encouraged you, we would love to hear that testimony. Call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. All right, so today on the program, I want to ask the question, can Christians find comfort in disfavor? Can Christians mm. find comfort in disfavor? And if I could just kind of skip to the end, uh, high-speed dubbing, my answer is that depends. <laughs> that mm. depends. Yeah. And and we've done a, actually we did an entire show on depends. But in this case, I do find that it's fitting to say it depends when, when we're talking about you know, can Christians be comfortable being disfavored mm-hmm. in American culture, uh, 21st century? I think, and this really is sort of, I'm I'm pulling a will here. <laughs> Jump, I'm running to the end just to say, <laughs> it depends on why we're being disfavored. Like, what is the mm. reason that we're being disfavored? Yeah. Because I think it's important for us to recognize that um, biblically speaking and with eternity and focus, there's there's good disfavor Mm -hmm. and there's bad disfavor. Like the Bible is very clear, right? That if you suffer, you don't suffer as a wrongdoer. You don't, you don't suffer, um, you know, as someone who would dishonor the name of the Lord or not bring glory to his name. And so I think that's important. You can't, you can't make all disfavor something that is just, Oh, it's just the devil. It's just persecution. I think some of it 
we have to do some self-examination mm. as Christians. And in particular, I'm going to talk about evangelical Christians. We have to do some self-examination and, and ask the question, how have we gotten to the place where we are mm. um, as it pertains to this particular article? So this is a Christian Post article that I, I thought was interesting. I'm always you know, curious about um, polls and stats and things like that and then how to navigate that or how we filter that through our uh, biblical conviction. So this grabbed my attention. More Americans negatively view evangelicals than other religious groups. Hmm. Now, just quick question here. Yeah. Is that surprising to you? No, no, it's okay. not. It's not surprising to me, especially given given the political landscape. Because yes. when I think of evangelicals, mm-hmm. I immediately think of the uh, disdain. Trump derangements. Yeah. Oh, I'm to, sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah. the disdain mm-hmm. to which people talk about white evangelicals and mm-hmm. this and that, you know, so mm-hmm. th- this does not surprise me. And so just, you would just shorten that. So that's how it begins, right? You, in our country, because uh, what is called race, but talk about ethnicity and partiality, mm-hmm. as it's called in our country, racism, uh, is such a hot topic. So if you want to build a coalition, you start by racializing that topic. Right. You, you start by right. creating racial groups around what you want to discuss. And then when people go to their corners, you can shorten the name with the same impact, right? Right. So it it started out as white evangelicals and why? Because race is such a hot topic. So if you can, if you can make white evangelicals a pejorative in our culture, then you keep working it. You keep working it. You keep dividing people over that because again, race works. So why change it? And then eventually what you can do is shorten it to just evangelicals and people don't recognize that there's been a shift. So now it's just evangelicals with everybody's sort of um, conditioned understanding that this is a racialized term. Right. And so it's, when amazing, I see, it's amazing yeah, how that ahead. happens. Now I'm just gonna that's yeah. amazing how that happens because you can shorten it, but in your mind you you're still thinking white. You know, it's Which is a win. It's a it's <laughs> a it's crazy. a win for the wicked. Yeah. I, I just if I'm you know, sorry. It's <laughs> a win for the wicked. It's <laughs> a win for those who have a vested interest in the division. Yeah. They have a vested interest in creating certain voting blocks that mm-hmm. they know will be faithful to them if they create this narrative around the way they move their feet to the polls. And, and I want to talk about that because I, 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 I believe that in this Pew study that the numbers are out, I, I believe that there's some work that evangelicals have to do. And, and I'm going to talk about that very carefully here because not all disfavor is something that, you know, automatically means that we are the victims. Mm. I think that there's, we have to be very careful as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have not allowed um, I guess in, in modern terms, we have not allowed for our name and likeness to be used and abused. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that there are some people who just, you know, they have no problem with evangelicals automatically being associated with a certain group because then they don't have to do any work there. Right. It's like, well, you, if I say that I'm a Republican, you automatically assume that that's an evangelical. So in the circles where that is uh, advantageous to me or that's beneficial to me, then just let it ride. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I think that Christians, evangelical Christians, should be aware of that and more articulate in the culture, not less. Yeah. Like we, we should draw um, lines that are bold and clear so that people understand that as an evangelical, my allegiance is to Christ. So mm. there is not a political party that owns me. Right. And, and I think that right. this will do um, incredible work for 
having the right disfavor, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but if we're going to be disfavored in culture as Christians, remember, um, according to the master, we want to be disfavored for the right reasons. That's right. And (laughs) those reasons should be connected to eternity, to righteousness and to morality as is biblically defined, not culturally defined. And so I think that's very important to look at. So let me just kind of jump into this and then we'll do some, some kind of, um, you know, jumping around the internet, which is always dangerous, but we're going to do it. (laughs) All right. So here, this is from the Christian post. When it comes to Jews, mainline Protestants and Catholics, Americans tend to view those groups more favorably than atheists, Muslims, and Mormons. According to a recent study as for evangelicals, this article says research says, or researchers say it's complicated. You never want to be in the, it's complicated category, (laughs) right? Like, that's just a bad place to be, uh, tongue-in-cheek. Okay, so a Pew Research study conducted in September 2022 found that while most Americans are neutral towards several religious groups, evangelical Christians, on average, are viewed negatively by non-evangelical Americans. Researchers found that among those who did not identify as born-again or evangelical Protestants, 32% said they viewed evangelicals negatively compared to or compared with 18% who view them positively. A percentage that makes evangelicals among the most negatively (laughs) rated religious group by people who are not members of the group. Mm. Now let's just, let's just pause for a second and think (laughs) about that. Okay. So there's an element of that. I feel like there's a, there's a layer of that, that we come by genuinely right i and that i don't have a problem with right. by the way like there's a there's a and so to be genuinely disfavored mm-hmm. or to be disliked because of following the master right righteousness sake well, righteousness sake yes i That's have totally no fine. problem with that like yes. i'm i mean i'm like you know dust your shoulders this is great like this is this is what the lord promised us this is what he told us would happen but then as you continue reading the research and reading um, the summary of, of the findings, you kind of get a different picture that I think deserves discussion. And that's where the it depends comes in. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go back to this. So the sentiment, according to researchers, is at least partially an outgrowth of the American political landscape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so here is what they found. And I want to be very careful in how I read this because I had to read this a few times to make sure that I get the inflection in my voice. Right. And and let me tell you why, because the wrong inflection reading the same statement will say something totally different. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take my time because there are some people who are going to hear something as I read this, that is not what the data is saying. So I'm going to read it and then I may have to give a little commentary. Okay. So here we go. All right. (laughs) The sentiment according to researchers, is at least partially an outgrowth of the American political landscape since Democrats who are not born again or evangelicals. Now, that's a that's a group of people. Listen to me, that distinction that Pew Research is given or giving here is Democrats who are not born again or evangelicals. That is not a description of Democrats Across the board. Yeah. Do, do, do we understand that? <laughs> right, okay. Right. I just, 
Okay. All right. So for <laughs> for the Democrats who do not identify <laughs> modern vernacular as born again or evangelical, they are far more likely than non-evangelical Republicans. Okay, that's a distinction within the Republican group. All right, to view evangelicals negatively by a margin of 47% to 14%. Mm. So here is what Pew is is suggest, suggesting here, that those who politically identify as Democrat and are not evangelical, they, at 47%, have a negative view of evangelicals. Mm. So it suggests to the researchers that their view of evangelicals is almost directly connected to political party affiliation. Now, why is that a problem? Well, that's a problem because I'm not sure <laughs> that that is just disfavor. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, like you know, if, if like I always say, I, if, I, I don't want people to dislike me for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right? Like, if people are not going to like me because... I take a stand on on an issue or I take a position that I believe is biblically instructed. Like this is what the Bible says on this issue and people don't like that. Then I don't have a problem, but I do have a problem if people misunderstand me, they don't, they don't know what I'm saying. And then they, they form a judgment or they take a position against me. Then I'm like, ah, okay, no, I want to make sure that I'm understood. If I'm understood and then still disliked, well, so be it. That's okay. You know? And I think that evangelical Christians must also take this position, but we have to understand what devi- what defines evangelicalism and what is the right type of disfavor for us to have. So I thought of a couple examples to kind of uh, drive this home. And there's in this article here, there is a pastor who is quoted. And let me let me just read what he says, because I thought that this was um I thought that this was very interesting. Ryan Ryan Burge is the name of the pastor. It's a Baptist pastor quoted in this article. He's assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University. And he told the Christian Post that the view toward evangelicals is tied up largely in politics. And I think so many people, if we are being honest, would make that observation and say, yeah, yeah, we can see that. And this is what he said, quote, I think for many It's the close link between evangelicals and the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. If a respondent was a Republican, they see evangelicals as an ally. Mm -hmm. If they aren't, then they see them as an enemy. Now, that's an automatic position that I don't think evangelicals want. Right. Now, think about that, because this affects the gospel and the proliferation of it. If a person who is a Democrat in affiliation politically sees evangelicals automatically as an enemy. Where is the door for the gospel? Mm. We need that door for the gospel. Okay. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We we appreciate we appreciate it's Monday. It is. Your expectations should be really low. <laughs> no. Tuesday, set them high. Okay. <laughs> Wednesday, keep them there. 
<laughs> right? Thursday, raise the bar even more. Friday, bring it back down. And then Monday, don't even tune in. I'm, that's a joke, guys. Obviously, welcome back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was best day ever. That's mercy me. All right. D. Youngblood and J. Macron Tap uh, helping us navigate the show in the last segment. We'll get your take on what we're talking about today. Today, I'm asking the question, can Christians find comfort in disfavor? And my answer is that depends. I know you want to give your answer and we'll open the phone lines for that. But here's the point that I'm making. Uh, This idea that the evangelical group is disfavored as a representation of a political party, I think is troubling. That evangelicals have so overwhelmingly (laughs) become associated with a political party, I think, uh, should stir evangelicals, followers of Jesus, to to come back to like the importance of exalting Jesus. Right. Which means that we are necessarily going to exist in attention. So if the Republican Party moves away from its tenets. And years ago, we did programs where we walked through the platforms. Like, we're, you mm-hmm. know, so often we're just like throwing stones and we're just talking about political parties and just sort of like, you know, throwing a stone and ducking right. and throwing, you know. Right. And, and so what we said was, let's just do a side-by-side comparison. So that's what yeah. we did a few years ago. Um, we're all about discipleship and having conversations where mm-hmm. we define our terms. So we took both parties' platforms and we just walked through them over a series of days, I want to say, and just here is this party's position on this. Here is that party's position on that. Where can the Christian find the truth, right? Right. So the Christian who wants to be faithful in his or her political engagement, we don't just go with a party because that party has the name. Mm-hmm. We're, we're saying, where do, you, where do you really stand on this issue exactly. and how do you vote on this issue? Exactly. Like. We trust you to represent us. And so so I think what happens is Christians have just become comfortable with the evangelical name. Um, Man, I'm sorry. Just being used by a political party without any expectation. Uh, My hope is, is that there that there is a resistance to that and that we haven't, you know, kind of melded the two in all are are right with that, because the thing is, you know, it had to get that way some 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 type of way like it had to become that and and maybe it became that because we begin to rely more on those things than on what we you know have have believed and so well, i I wonder, you, I wonder about that well i'll tell you what i think i i think the alignment and and the strong alignment happened because of the shared values and and those who were really yeah, shaping yeah. The, the platform and shaping the party. But here is the problem, though. The problem is when there when there arose a problem in the party, mm-hmm. rather than the Christians say we stand distinctly yes. here and there was the move to wait. We got to save the party, though. We got to save uh-huh. the party. And, and, right. and that I think our allegiance to Christ is our chief first and foremost identity. Amen. And so what that then has the, the resulting effect of is that the party continues to try to chase after you rather than you chasing after the party. Well, that, and, yeah, that means that there was power seen in the party rather than in who we are in Christ. Like there's a certain power that we're like, no, we got to have this. We got to have this, you know, this party rather than. Who we are in Christ, and that's that's and that's a powerful distinction. Man. And and I and I I think that Christians now have, um, if if we can find it, I think we have the wherewithal to create a more distinct line. And indeed, I would say we have to because the Republican Party is increasingly moving away right. from some of the values that I think 
caused evangelicals to align with this political party to express their values. Like we even look, it is not wrong for Christians to live faithfully. In fact, man, it is the expectation of every believer, right? That we should be able to live faithfully unto the Lord in 21st century America. Part of that faithful living is that we don't suspend our convictions when we go to the polls. Right. Like we, we have to be able to vote those convictions. And so I think what hmm. Christians found historically was, okay, these people who are running on this ticket, these mm-hmm. people who are running as a part of this party, they share those convictions. Mm. What I think we were slow to do and to our own harm yeah, and, and to, to harm of our you know distinction as Christians, yeah. what we were slow to do is to identify publicly and loudly when the political party moved away from us. So has we, that been done yet? See, I think that that's going to be a day when that has to be like clearly stated by Christians, like I don't know if we've arrived there yet because I think there's still a trust in, you know, the political. Well, I think I I think there's a lot of uh, political calculation that goes into that. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of pragmatism that you find inherent in our decisions to be loud on our you know disappointments. Yeah, and I think people feel like, well, if you say something, then you water down the possible strength of the party because. Now what you do is you empower the opposition and now that's that's just political strategy. And that's not so much what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is Christ. Yeah. And so the question that I'm asking and so I want to give an example. Mm-hmm. Um it's it, just a few examples here. If I'm aligned with a political party and I am disfavored because of certain aspects of that alignment, I have no problem with it. So, for example, like in Mississippi, where you have um, a Republican-controlled Senate, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, we've got laws passed now, or a law passed now in our state that protects children from experimentation as it pertains to their gender and their their sexuality. And all, you know, so I say, if people say, "Well, those Republicans, they do things like that," all right, and and that causes. Uh, disfavor. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. If people are mad because they say, yeah. you know, those yeah. Republicans, they do things like, and I, I want to share this information because I think you increasingly are seeing states uh, follow suit in this. So if they say things like uh, those Republicans do what they did in Tennessee, they passed a law that um, would fine anybody who exposes children to drag queen shows. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm fine with that. If, right. if if that is one of the things where people are like, those evangelicals, you know, I'm okay with that. Right. I'm okay right. with, you know, Calif- the California lawmaker who is trying to pass a law that schools have to tell the parents. Yeah. Schools have to tell the parents if the child is using different pronouns or has adopted a quote unquote new name. Yeah. Like those right. are the kinds of things that I say. Yes, yes, and amen to that. And I agree with that. And and I think the the, the um pushback is going to largely come from without the party or whatever, without you know outside. Mm-hmm. But my problem, my my rub is like, so if you're a Christian, you're within this context. When do you start to say, "Hey, I, I'm not cool with opening up the tent that allowing homosexuals to come from in. the beginning." 
I so it hadn't if it's happened me though, personally. So, yeah. Well, I don't think it's happened in mass. I think mm-hmm. it has happened. I just don't think it's happened with enough numbers to really shake things up because people have their conservative celebrities. And so it causes yeah. a great uh, cognitive dissonance when you've got a person and I'm not picking on her, but I'm just saying when you've got a person that is like a Candace Owens mm-hmm. who is is so beloved and is so articulate and mm-hmm. has, you know, represented the party, but then is also celebrating adopting children by two homosexual men. I mm, think, right. you know, what has to happen is that uh, the power of the pen, the, the power of the post, mm-hmm. the power of the videos, mm-hmm. the videos need to come out and people <laughs> need to say that is not what it is to be a Republican. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think people have done that, but it has not come from. This is just the way our culture is set up, folks. It has not come <laughs> from the big influencers. Mm-hmm. It has not come from the people who have the biggest cup, you know, that they can run along the bars and say, oh, you know, no, 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 <laughs> we, we don't. And I think I think part of that is political calculation. Now, uh, this yeah. is where yeah. this is where the Christian exists in. Um, uh, I would I would say. It's not I don't think it's an uncomfortable tension for us. I I think it's a a tension that we exist in that we should normalize. Right. Mm -hmm. That we can agree with some things and then with other things we have to disagree and we have to disagree loudly and not just sort of think of the the pragmatic approach where we're like, well, we got to save the party. But to be able to do that, you have to be firmly rooted in Christ. You have to be convicted. And, and so if you if you feel like power is somewhere else mm-hmm. outside of Christ, you can't yes. do it. You won't man. be able to do okay, it. Okay, so guys, and here's the thing. Man, what a great point you just made there. Oh, my goodness. I just want to run a highlighter over that. If you feel like power is somewhere else, if you feel like power is somewhere else, then you will not maintain public allegiance to Christ. And you'll, you'll see your, um, your need to preserve everything else mm-hmm. as more important than the name of Jesus Christ, right? Like Jesus saying, okay, who do men say that I am? Okay, some say this, some say, okay, but who do you say that I am? His followers, like who do you people who are following me, who have seen me, who are acquainted with me, who do you say that I am? It's one thing in the culture that we live in for people, you know, to, to say this and that about evangelicals. But the question is, my goodness, what are evangelicals even saying about themselves? What are the evangelicals (laughs) saying about Christ? And Mm. what we don't recognize is that sometimes evangelicals are saying things with their silence that they don't realize they're saying. And they are saying that, well, yeah, we're Christians, but politics is more important than that. And and so so we're going to just be quiet on that issue because yeah. we don't want to water down our vote. And I'm saying, no, you still vote strong. You still show up. You, you still you show up. You mm-hmm. cast your vote. Mm-hmm. You are responsible. But at the same time, you've got to be speaking while you're doing that. You've got to be um, yes. making sure to keep that distinction in place. And I think that takes a lot of work. So we're just not really we're not there for that. Yeah, look, I I, I want to um, I want to make a shift here because I want to mm-hmm. make sure that we get this video clip in uh, and then we'll have some time to open the phone lines, get our listeners take on this. When we talk about what it is to be an evangelical and what it is to be a born again believer, to believe that to follow Christ, we must be born again, that the Holy Spirit of God must establish residence in our life, in our heart, mm-hmm. right? Like to to live inside of us. And I know that is like, people are like, Ur. you know, they don't understand that. But I'm telling you, if you read the Bible, you read the word of God, 
the Holy Spirit will help you to understand. So if we are not able, if we are not able to maintain that distinction, when we see these things happening, uh, we will lose the power of our witness. And I think that this more than anything is what that Pew study is pointing to. And that's, that's the way we have to think. Not if we are losing political potency. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the question we need to ask. I think Mm -hmm. the questions we need to ask is, wait a minute, are we, are we losing the potency of our witness where we are able to tell people who Jesus Christ is? So let me give you an example. So last week, this uh, 26-year-old man, um, people may be familiar with him. Some people may not. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney is his name. And Dylan Mulvaney, for a year, like um, last week, he literally celebrated 365 days, okay, of masquerading. And I'm, I'm calling it that masquerading as a woman as he's been calling it girlhood days of girlhood and he started this on tiktok and it has grown to something that is just really it's disturbing the number of followers that he has right so on tiktok he's got over 10 million followers he's got about a million followers over on instagram this series that he started doing a year ago um has over a billion views wow let me let me get that Wow. One billion views. This and, and the series is Days of Girlhood. 26-year-old man who decided one day that he was going to be a girl. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, and I'm, I'm going to set this all up for you. He decided he was going to be a girl, okay? And he documented that on TikTok. And now, most recently, um, he went through facial reconstructive surgery to to redesign his face so that he would look like a girl. He had this unveiling of himself. And this is again, after the 365 days of what he is calling girlhood. And last week he was on uh, Drew Barrymore's, the the actress Drew Barrymore's uh, talk show. Okay. And we're going to play it. If you're watching the live stream, you'll be able to see it. It's very disturbing because you have to keep telling yourself that this is a man. This is a man. Guys, biologically, so in every way, okay, this is a man, right? right? And he's doing this interview with Drew Barrymore. I want to play this clip. Do we have time to get into it before the break here? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Here we go. I think back to my, like, childhood self, and I think about if I was following myself on TikTok as, like, a young kid, what would I want to hear? Or, you know, so much of my audience is a younger demographic, and I sort of would love to show transness in a way that we haven't seen it before because I figured when I came out that I might have to go into hiding and then do all my surgeries privately and change my name. And I instead decided, hey, let me see if the world is willing to accept me this way from day one. And they did. So here's the problem, right? Here's the problem. If as an evangelical who would be confused with just being politically motivated. If we are ever a part of a party that takes any piece of this madness and says, well, you know, this is just the way that the culture is going. Remember, this man has an incredible following in many ways. Now, look, there have been many victories that I believe Republicans and even some Democrats who in their right minds say, no, we can't do this to children, right? There have been some victories that have been enjoyed on the protecting children front. But this is just one example to say, okay, if the momentum continues 
to be on the side of let's say well just because the kid is 18 and old and older now we can we can celebrate this but what we're really doing is celebrating the telling of lies and culture and here's what i wanted you to catch in that clip notice that this man said now over 10 million followers on tiktok 10 million followers on tiktok and the vast majority of his audience are, is young people. Mm. Young people. All right, we'll grab the break and we'll take your calls on the other side. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Stay right there. If you want to talk to us today, the question is, can Christians find comfort and disfavor? My answer is that depends. But I would like to hear from you. What do you you think? How, as Christians, do we navigate the culture, being faithful to Christ and also engaging politically, making sure to keep that distinction? Mm -hmm. And and I know I'm asking a big question here. And, And just to make it clear, well, first, welcome back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will Nels Mandisa with God Speaking. 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. I'm trying to show here that there are, and there's plenty of um, bridges that we as evangelicals, even within the context, if you are a Republican, there are many bridges now I think that are presenting (laughs) that we would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not crossing that bridge. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not going over to that side with you. And while we see many Republicans um, acting in such a way to show that so as to show that, yes, biblical morality is right. Protecting children is right. Standing up for truth is right. I still think that there are Republicans who are trying to do what is politically expedient. And I think that this this uh, the sexuality issue and the transgender issue is one of those areas where you do not have this um, huge balloon of Republicans who are loudly declaring that children must be protected. I think you still have people who are calculating their political moves. And I think this is one of those examples where as an evangelical, we've got to say, no, no, we, we don't want to calculate political moves at the expense of who we are as Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that, you know, this is one of those things where um, people often feel conflicted because all they've ever known is, well, my political party is Christian. That's, that's, that's like the thinking, right? Mm. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of why this is so dangerous. So one of the things that we said from the very beginning um, in, in all of the shows that we hosted when we were doing the show on Urban, when we switched the show over, because if you tell the truth, right, if you if your convictions are really your convictions, then you can tell that wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you're broadcasting from, right? And so one of the things I said, and I'll give you an example, is that I am a Christian before I am anything else. I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. Amen. So when people say, well, Miki, how are you able to navigate the whole Black Lives Matter conversation? And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. Guys, I'm just saying this as a matter of fact. I, I believe, based on what was written and what was out there, my, my um, 
online footprint that I was the first person to investigate the Black Lives Matter organization and to write about who they really were. But even before that, I didn't feel a sense of allegiance to a group just because of skin color. Do you understand? So when your allegiance is to Christ, it frees you to investigate and to say, wait a minute, you know, is there truth here? Is there not? Like, how how do we navigate these things and not just say, well, you know, it's pro-black. So I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. Now, now that I've got your attention and you're with me, <laughs> let's apply that same standard to political party yeah. where we say, hold up a second, hold up a second. If you move away from truth, if you move away from the inerrant word of God, then you have moved away from me, right? So I don't need to align myself with that to feel a sense of like, you know, productivity in the culture or, right. or in, in, in the political landscape or however you want to define that or term that. What I'm, this is what I'm driving at and maybe inarticulately. Here's what I'm driving at. Christ above all. Amen. Christ above all. Yes. If, if you've got Democrats who are not evangelicals who say, you know, we don't like evangelicals because automatically they associate that with being a Republican. Then in some ways we have we have tied our hands for the proliferation of the gospel. Now, and look, if you're a person and you're like, well, that's not of utmost importance to me. What's important to me is winning elections. <laughs> What's important to me is saving the country. It's just, I'm just, sometimes silence is just really good. Like if a person would say, well, I don't, I don't care about preserving the proliferation of the gospel. I don't, I don't care. You know, I don't care. Then, you know, you could really lose the other things that you fight for. If you don't, if you don't fight for the truth first, you don't fight for the preservation of the gospel first, right? Like what, why, why should the other things be preserved? Why, why are we fighting to save the country. What what has God done through this country that remains worth saving? Mm-hmm. If it's not the proliferation of the gospel, if it's not the standard of freedom that allows for the proliferation of the gospel. Well, I'm just, I guess I haven't been fighting for that. I guess I've just been fighting for my own personal safety and comfort. You know, and actually the the, the research numbers kind of confirm that. So that means that we've got a conviction problem. That means that our convictions have got to be aligned with the truth of scripture. That means that our motivations have got to come from a place that's a little more eternal than our temporal comfort and safety. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I have to say that, but that's, that's just the reality. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right. Let's see. Let's go to Lily in Kansas. Hi, Lily. Hi. Uh, thanks, guys, for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know sort of agree with what you are saying, but I can tell you that um, even if all Christians become Democrats tomorrow, we will probably still have the same scorecard because this is not really about party affiliation per se. Mm -hmm. This is just about Christians not being liked because of what we believe. I'm not saying we're perfect, Mm-hmm. Christians are not going to be perfect, you know, but it's just for the fact that you are a Christian, it doesn't matter where you align. I mean, take the treatment of George W. Bush, a gentleman, the treatment of Donald Trump, and, you know, how those two men were hated mm-hmm. passionately 
Um, so it's not about that. And I think I would like to know the aim of this study. For me, I think the aim is, you know, there are people who are afraid that Christians have become more politically aware and are participating more. And uh, people who are not aligning with the gospel are losing elections and they're trying to drive Christians back into their tents. So mm. that because some people think we are so obsessed with being liked that, you know, um, we will be afraid, oh, they're not liking us, so let's go back into our tent. My other oh, comment yeah. is, is on this. The study itself, I haven't looked at the main study by itself, but from what you said, the analysis is very convoluted. You know, why are you comparing unbelieving Democrats with unbelieving Republicans? Didn't they find unbelieving Democrats to compare with believing Democrats? No, but it, let me just let me just Lily, you're making some great points, by the way. Let me just say that. OK, but just to give a distinction or to give some clarity, that distinction, <clears throat> excuse me, is not between believing and unbelieving. It's those who would be Christians. They identify as Christians, but they're not evangelical. They do not identify as evangelical Democrats or on the Republican side, non-evangelical Republicans. Look, I think the points that our sister's making here are great points and they are worth unpacking. Like, what's the motivation here? What's the aim? And yes, Christians are more politically active and we should be because only we can be salt and light in a dark culture. My problem, my question here, and, and, and I will say this because it is not at all. I, and I, I hope that people have listened to this program long enough to understand that, uh, not only am I not about going back into the tent, um, I'm about pulling up the pegs and letting it collapse. Like, no, we need to we need to be truth and we need to bring salt and light into the culture that we live in. My problem is making sure that the gospel is always first and foremost in our mind, that 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 the even the political activism, what we engage in, that we have an eternal view in mind is my caution. And again, not to make a calculation to be liked. And that's why I started off the program saying, you know, look, we're going to be disfavored. Like we're not going to be liked. And so if this is merely about Christians being disfavored or disliked because we follow Christ, then that's to be expected. That's Bible. That's Bible unfolding in real time in front of our eyes. But I do think that there is something to be said of people who believe that the Christians are always going to be loyal to them because that's their party. Right. So we can move in whatever direction we want. We saw this when you, you have got, and you've got conservatives who are, you know, pushing the homosexual agenda and expecting Christians to still use the right. name conservative. Right. Like conservative has taken on a different name. And so what I'm saying is that Christians have got to be really discerning Mm-hmm. And, and and if it takes us using more words, like sometimes we would just like to say, well, I'm conservative and have that be it. But if it takes us using more words so that we carve out the distinction that we are politically active because of our allegiance to Christ, if, if, if we have to say that, then I'm saying take the few two minutes extra time to say that. Like, don't just say I'm conservative or I'm Republican. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is say, well, this is my my political party affiliation. Here's why. And if that affiliation ever starts to move away, then we got to rethink things. Now, you may not have the answer in the moment of what what the solution is, but Jesus is worth the distinction. If the political party starts to move away from us as Christians, I'm not saying we go back into a tent, 
But what I am saying is that, man, Jesus Christ is worthy that we make sure that people dislike us for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Like, let us be disliked because we are following the way of the master. That's right. And that's that's kind of ultimately the point that I'm making. Let's go back to the phone lines here. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Buddy in Louisiana. Hi, Buddy. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hello, Will. Hello, Mickey. How you all? Doing good. Doing great. Good. Um, I just wanted to say that um, you all always hit on some good points, and you're absolutely right. We have to stand out and be brave in the truth of Jesus Christ because that's what the world can't stand. Mm-hmm. And any time you do that, you are going to be targeted. Mm-hmm. You are going to be targeted and labeled an outcast. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say. I'll, I'll it. Thank you. God Thank bless you, buddy. buddy. I, I appreciate your comments. Yes, listen, um, our faith is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart. It's never been a faith that um, is hospitable to cowards. Now, we've 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 gotten a little bit of safety, you know, because of what we've enjoyed here in America. And so we think that that's normative for the faith, but that's actually not normative. Mm. Like mm. The, the gospel from the, the perspective of the human vantage point as we as we live in this world. Now, I am not talking about the eternal promises of God. Right. That um, that the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. All right. That, that is the word of God. Amen. That is the promise of God. From our vantage point, from our um, the way we as followers of Christ have lived unto him, the gospel has never existed in just a, a safe womb. Do you mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I could understand people arguing, well, before <laughs> womb, Messiah. OK, so but here's what I, here's what I'm we saying. Understand what you're saying. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> the enemy has always attacked the truth. And so even when we felt comfortable in this country, the gospel was still under attack because then we face the sort of watered down posture from within the church Mm. where now there's all sorts of heresies that infiltrate the church and things like that. So what I'm saying is we are well acquainted with being disliked that we are not going to be comfortable. I'm probably going to say this like three or four times before we wrap up. I'll go back to the phone lines, but we must be disliked for the right reasons. Okay. Back to the phone lines. All right, let's go to Elizabeth in Kansas. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, how are y'all? Hello. Hello. I just absolutely love y'all's program. And I just wanted to say, you know, the Great Commission does not say go out and change the country. It says go out and share the gospel. <laughs> and that's what we're called to do. I don't, I don't have to save the country. I can't save the country, but I can share the gospel. Hmm. Elizabeth, that is so well said. You know, I will say this um, just as an echo to your statements. This great commission that we have to to make followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that it has the effect that so many of us has so many of us have put as the first aim saving the country. I believe that the proliferation of the gospel has that effect because saved people save civilization. They do. They do. They just they change things. This is how we have seen cultural change throughout the years. It's through people being converted and actually Mm. becoming followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we have in our mind and in our heart that in order for us to have um, a moral country, 
We've got to have a moral people. We've gotten it wrong in some ways. We've thought if we can just get the right politicians in office. What I'm saying is that the politicians come out of the gumbo pot. Okay, so if you dip the ladle down into the gumbo pot and you've got spoiled politicians, right, they're from among the people. Mm. So if we want better politicians, if we want a better country, we need better people. And the way that we have better people is that we have followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who live a moral and upright life and who have a measuring rod that they align themselves against God's word. Changed people will change the country. We'll have a more moral civilization. That's right. This has been true for the history of the church. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.